So thanks for joining us on Perform. I really appreciate it, by the way. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I've actually read your book. I think it's amazing. Um, what inspired you to write that book? So I actually, in writing that book, I, it wasn't a matter of if I could do it, it's a matter of why I should do it, why I should generate that following. And the reason that I did it was I knew it was a strong hook point to bring people into a larger conversation to teach them what they really needed to know. Mm. So that was, you know, it took me three and a half years to really develop those systems for my celebrity and brand clients. And then I felt it was a strong enough lead into a larger conversation of what it really means to be successful on social media and just you know, applying all the learnings that I had generated over the past 10 years being in the space. So for a lot of people who haven't read your book, what are like the three steps that you would tell people or, you know, even a handful of steps to basically get a big following? Like what, what are the, give us some insight. Well, the first place I always start is mindset is you have to have the proper mindset to be successful in anything social media being, you know, one of those things. And that's where in the book, you know, I break down this three-step process of hypothesis, test, and pivot. Uh, and it's three simple steps, but the hard part is, is to actually execute and deliver on it. So the way that, that I envision it is it's, it's a constant iteration and learning process. Mm. So with developing the hypothesis, you set, well, what is, what is the content format theme or structure that I think is going to generate the result that I'm looking for. And that result can be anything. It could be followers, it could be traffic, it could be lead, it could be sales, anything. Mm. But you have to start with what is that content, piece of content, what is that structure, what is the tone, all of that that I think is going to cause somebody to perform the specific action that I'm looking for. Mm. And then you go off and test it by creating a low-cost proof of concept of that piece of content. It's like I always say, I don't want spending people spending you know, thousands or tens of thousands of dollars on a piece of content until they've proven the direction that they want to take works. It's really that, that low cost proof of concept to see if you're on the right path. And then, you know, the third step is just analyzing the response. Did it generate what you were looking for? Did it generate the follower? Did it generate the lead? Did it generate the sale? And then based off of that, then you can either pivot or push more in that, in that direction. Mm. And I know it sounds super simplistic, but again, like my success is not predicated off that I'm the smartest person. It's that I'll, I'll test everybody and I'm constantly learning. Even today, you know, I've been in the digital technology and social space for almost 15 years. You know, I started in online before social media was a big thing. And, you know, my success is that I'm just constantly learning. I'm constantly testing. I'm constantly challenging myself. Even today. Because, you know, things do shift and things do change. And you really need that, that solid foundation from a mindset perspective to even just execute and be successful on even the strategies that we have. What do you do when you're not feeling like doing something? How do you get yourself in that mindset? Of, of to, to constantly learn or just like downtime? Like to like say, you know, you obviously had to have a certain mindset to accomplish what you've done, Right. And maybe there was days where you were like, you know what, like, I don't, I don't want to do this, or this is a lot, or you maybe, maybe you felt overwhelmed. What advice can you give people to get into your type of mindset? Yeah, it's a great question. And 
one of the, the, the biggest assets that I use is understand why you're doing what you're doing. Hmm. Like if you're going after a goal, whether it's a million followers or a million dollars in revenue or whatever it is you're going after, why? What is that going to bring you? Is it financial freedom? Is it something for yourself? Is it something for your family? Is it, you know, a career goal? Like whatever it is, that's what keeps me going. It's like, if you understand why you're doing things when stuff gets tough. And as you know, in business, things always get tough, no matter how much experience you have, how much you've uh, prepared, things go wrong. And you gotta, you've got to use that, that why, that underlying reason that's, that will push you through those difficult times because it, it happens to me all the time. I mean, every week there's a time where I'm like, I don't like, why am I doing this? Like, I feel like giving up or this is too hard. And, and that level set always personally helps me get through it. Do mm. I give myself time to kind of digest what I'm feeling? Yes. It's not like I, I push it down is we're human beings is you need to recognize what you're feeling and what's underneath that. Uh, but then once you understand that and get through it, then it's time to go to work and that, that underlying purpose and why of what you're doing and it's different for every person is what really helps me. And I mean, as far as, you know, are you into fitness yourself or? Yeah. Yeah. How active are you right now? Like with a fitness sort of routine? Well, the COVID stuff really threw me for a loop because I was working out with a trainer in a gym. And when that closed down, I here in LA, there was like a two month time period where like the hiking trails were even closed. So it was, it was very difficult, but uh, I'm always trying to get some type of physical activity in you know, to release that stress, get clarity and, and all that. So it's, it's a really important part of my day. And it's also taking time for yourself, resting, meditating, uh, paying attention to your health is critical because as you know, without your health, you have nothing. Mm. It's like you can be the smartest person in the world, but you know, if you get sick, it doesn't really do, do you any good. And as far as like, you know, with social media nowadays, obviously there's a lot of um, opportunities to advertise, right? If you had to, if you were, had to pick one right now, what would you, if you had to, what would you focus on social media? Would it be Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and why? So I will give you a direct answer. Uh, but before doing that, I would always say, I'll tell you what I would do for me, but for each business, it's a little bit different. And to me, I always like to start with the Facebook and Instagram advertising platform. As much as it causes me so many headaches and stress and anxiety with all the changes that are going on with that platform, I like it because, one, it's cold traffic. So what that means is people aren't searching for what you have to offer. You're pushing it to them versus like if you're doing search-based marketing on like uh, pay-per-click and stuff, people are searching for what you have to do. So that's warm traffic. Cold traffic's much harder to convert, but if you can figure out how to convert somebody cold, then you can convert somebody warm. Mm. In addition to the fact that scalability is immense. Like there's just so many people on Facebook and Instagram that once you find something, like overnight you can scale, you, you can scale revenue from like, you know, five figures to six figures, from six figures to seven figures if you figure out how to convert that, that cold traffic. Mm. So that's for me the way that I like to operate. But depending on the business, like if we're talking about like a local business or a restaurant or a fitness trainer that's only looking for local clients, then I would go someplace else. I'd probably go with Yelp or pay-per-click or looking at, you know, some other, some other advertising sources to, to start out with. 
Mm. And do you find video is more effective than writing? Like what would be like for you, where do you find you're getting the most effectiveness in, in terms of your advertising? It's a great question. So there's trade-offs. Video can definitely convert higher and have much more earned lift out of it, but it's harder to tackle because you have so many different variables. You've got the first three seconds versus the captions versus the meme cards, what type of meme cards, what type of headline. All those variables come into play and it's harder to execute on. But if you do execute it successfully, the returns can be massive. Mm -hmm. So typically we do a mixture. Like if you go into the Facebook ad library and look at my, my page, we do a mixture of images, text, video, uh, because you know text and images is easier to pull off. There's much less production value. The consumer can recognize within a few seconds whether they like it or not. There's not all these moving pieces and variables. But again, at the end of the day, if you can master video and get video down, that there, there's a huge win there. And what do you think if you had to give some sort of you know, tips for people who aren't familiar with video, what kind of tips could you give them in like 15 seconds or less in terms of creating video? Well, first off is references. Always look at the competitive landscape. So we're, we're in the Facebook ad library every day and seeing what other people in the space are doing. And we'll even expand, extend beyond our direct competition. Studying is the most important thing. It will cut your learning curve immensely. If you can see how other people are structuring their content, then you can emulate that for your product or service. So that is the biggest tip that I can give people. And it's surprising how few people actually do that. It'll save you a tremendous amount of time and money. Who would you say that three people that you would reference, you know, for who you are right now, who are your three references? I mean, we have so many references for different things um, because we have references for organic and we have references for paid. Um, if we're talking about paid, I mean, just, I mean, we look at so many references every day. I'll just name a few that I, we look at with clients like Calm and Headspace do a great job. Mm. Allbirds does a great job. I'm trying to think, you know, we, we look at like Russell Brunton and what he does with his ads. Uh, so that I would say that's on the, on the paid side and the organic side, we look at a number of different people, you know, mm. you know, Jay, uh, Prince EA is a friend of mine. So we look at how he's doing his structures. We look at Gary V. Uh, we do a lot of YouTube analysis. We look at Joe Rogan on his content. And uh, so those are just top of mind that come to me. And the reason I struggle with it is because honestly, we, we practice what we preach. We are looking at references every day. So, I mean, I've probably looked at thousands of references over the past few months and kind of all blends in together. Hmm. And like right now with the landscape as is, I mean, do you believe that people like, would you go outside of social media and do sort of like newspaper ads or print or anything? Or is all of your marketing done digitally? We are going to explore it. I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of diversifying. And when you look at television, you look at print, you look at newspapers, billboards, uh, there's still opportunity there. Don't get me wrong. It's not like, is, has it declined? Yes. Is it as big as it was 30 years ago? No, but there's still immense value there. I think that the, a big under, you know, this is one of the areas that I focus on and, and talk to a lot of people about is understanding how you can leverage offline and online uh, against each other to, to maximize your results and maximize your reach. So few people just focus online and what, you know, an online audience can do, which is valuable, 
but then how can you play that offline? So for me, example, you know, I grew a million followers in 30 days. I turned that into a book deal, which then, you know, that book is now a physical presence. It's obviously online as well, but it's physical. And I use that book to get podcast interviews. I use that book to get on stages and speak people. I use that book to get on television. I use it to get on radio, all those different things. So if you look at like a larger strategy of how these things can play off of each other, you can have immense success. Now that doesn't mean I say starting right out the gate, you do all of them at the same time. I'd rather see you focus on mastering one, get really good at it, generate the profit, and then reinvest and diversify out into other channels. But it's always it's always a testing game of learning and figuring things out of, of how it can be applied to grow your business or your brand. I want to introduce you to our sponsor, Manscaped. This is the number one ball trimmer in the world, okay? There's nothing else like it. It's amazing. It's using skin-safe technology. Come take a look at this. I'm telling you, this is an amazing made product. It's got it's a light in there, and it works phenomenal. Phenomenal. Your balls will thank you. So this is it, the Lawnmower 3.0 Precision Tools for the Family Jewels. You can go pick this up at manscaped.com. Use coupon code PERFORM20 to get 20% off at manscaped.com. you got to act now because this is a limited offer. So once again, go to manscaped.com. Use PERFORM20, get 20% off. You know, obviously a lot of people are probably thinking what I'm thinking about launching a book, right? And there's, a, you know, everybody wants to launch a book. Can you give us a short form roadmap on how your book became successful? Like, was it, did you send out a ton of free copies? Did you give it out for free? Did you use a publisher? Can you give us some insight for people out there who are thinking like, you know, hey, you know what? I want to launch a book now. What, what should I do though? So there's a few things that I've learned uh, in launching my first book. And then, you know, I took those learnings and apply it to the, the book, my second book that's coming out in a few weeks. And first is understand developing a book, you're not going to make any profit off of it unless you're getting a seven-figure check from a publisher, which is not going to happen for a first-time author unless you're a major celebrity. So knowing that, what you've got to figure out is what you're, if you put the book in somebody's hands, you have their attention and you have their attention for a long period of time, sometimes seven, eight, ten hours. What is the action that you want them to take while they're reading your book or after you're reading your book, what is that a uh, high ticket item? What is it? How can they engage with you after that book? And the reason I say that is you want to create a sustainable system to market your book and knowing that you're not going to generate profit off your book. How can you make money off of your book so you can take that money and reinvest it into the marketing of it? And that's what we did for my first book and what we're doing for, for my second. Well, the first book, I made that mistake. I didn't really know what I was doing getting into it. And I didn't really have that big way to engage with me afterwards. I mean, I, I had big clients and corporations reach out to me and work and that's how I did it, but it wasn't very scalable. Mm. So in the second book, we're building a whole agency around the concepts in the book to scale and to work with people. Mm. Uh, so again, like it's how can you maximize profit off of putting books into people's hands and then reinvest in it. Now, what do the marketing tactics look like? Uh, 
yes, putting books into people's hands works. There's, you know, I talked to my literary agent who's represented $5 billion worth of books. And I have a friend who's had 14 New York Times bestseller books. And they both say that there is a tipping point. So they say typically around 25,000 to 30,000 copies in the marketplace. If your book is really good, then, you know, it'll start to take off that organic lift. So what can you do to put as many books into people's hands? And that's where the sustainability comes from. Yes, you can give books away, but giving away 30,000 books is, is way too expensive. Mm. Uh, so that's where um, you can find these sustainable ways to market books. So we use Amazon ads. We've sold a lot of books through Amazon ads and have made it so we break even there. We've turned cold traffic from Facebook and Instagram uh, into book sales by turning the book into a funnel and getting people to opt in for the book and then having courses and add-ons and groups and things of that nature, they can do it. So we get to a point where we can, you know, at some points we're spending $90,000 to $100,000 a month marketing the book because we're recouping that amount. So it sounds like a crazy amount, but we, we make that back. So we essentially break even off of that. And that ad spend fuels sales and fuels brand awareness at the same time. So I look at like the, the larger holistic picture of it, of how you market a book, book and put as many books into the marketplace as possible. Mm. When you launched your first book, how many free books did you send out? Not that many. I mean, we did a free book shipping and handling offer off the book, which was probably, which people think, think like, oh, that's easy to convert, but it's not. I mean, it's easy to, it's hard to make it so you break even off of it or generate profit through that funnel. Probably 15,000 copies we did. Um, and you know, other than that, like free copies outside of that, maybe like a hundred, 200. It wasn't a lot because mm. uh, to me, it doesn't really scale mm. like getting free copies in the hands of like strategic people you know, definitely helps. Like my agent brought over the Marie Kondo book, Art of Tidying. And that book didn't sell anything, I think the first six months. But then Sigourney Weaver got her hands on the book and then tweeted about it. And then it started going viral. And it became the, the number one selling book for like one or two years. Wow. So again, it's it's about seeding the books in there. But and, and it, this is all my perspective and my experience. Like there's always different ways of doing things. And I don't know other people that have had success doing books other other ways, but I don't know that the game is like just give out a few thousand copies because I don't know that it's sustainable. If it is sustainable and you can and you have a thousand people that want your book or thousands of people, then do it. But I look at something that's really sustainable. We're still we're probably selling more copies of the book right now than we did even at before launch or at launch. Who's your favorite author? I mean, my favorite book is Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. Mm. I, I love that. I, I really like Tim Ferriss. I, I like his mindset and the way that he approaches things. Um, I think those are the ones that come to mind. Mm. I study a lot of psychology and human behavior, so any books on that are really fascinating to me as well. Mm. That's interesting. And so right now you've got your book coming out. Can you give us some insight about the book, when it's coming out, where people can pick it up? Yeah, so it's it's coming out August 4th, I, I believe, on Amazon. We'll probably go retail later this year. 
but the website's not up as of today, but hookpoint.com. Mm. You'll be able to get it there, and uh, it'll be up. That website will be up in like a week or two. Uh, it's early July right now. I don't know when this is going out. But the, the name of the book is called Hook Point, How to Stand Out in a Three-Second World. Mm. Uh, so we live in a world where there's 60 billion messages sent on digital platforms each day. You're no longer just competing against your direct competition. You're competing against every piece of content that's sent out there. You know, Forbes released an article that said that the average person's exposed to between 4,000 and 10,000 ads a day. So if you're trying to market, like you need to find a way to stand out and capture that attention. And again, you're not competing just against your direct competition. You're competing against LeBron James, The Rock, Paramount Movies, ESPN, all these different things. You're competing for that attention. Mm. And that's where, like, I spent 15 years studying the art of gaining attention to whether it's generating followers, generating, like, A-list clients, uh, generating millions of dollars in revenue, whatever it is, the same principles I use over and over again. And that's what I contribute my success to is being able to differentiate yourself in crowded markets mm -hmm. and like right now outside of your book what else are you focused on well the so we're launching an agency around this concept of hook points of helping people differentiate themselves in the crowded markets and, and developing their hook points for them and honestly that's my focus right now mm -hmm. is how do i you know launch that uh, we're also focusing heavily on direct response advertising. We just got into to it about two and a half, three years ago with you know, creating systems to develop the book and then extend to other clients and products. So that's a big uh, push for us is really how you drive transactions and revenue at scale. And uh, then we're diving very deep into the YouTube ecosystem and going to be launching a, a strategy for YouTube as well. Do you think that Facebook is a good investment right now in the stock market? Yes. Yeah. I, I don't know what its stock price is at today, but I would never doubt Facebook. Mm. And the fact that all these big brand advertisers are pulling out, people don't realize that the big brand advertisers are not how Facebook makes its money. Facebook mm. makes its money off of direct response advertisers. Mm. I mean, I got a friend that, that uh, spends $5.5 million a month on Facebook. And wow. it's more, I guarantee it's more than the brands that have pulled out. You know, I know a bunch of people that spend millions of dollars because they know how to turn those ads into commerce. And when you look at Facebook, you're not just looking at Facebook. You're looking at Instagram. You're looking at WhatsApp. You're looking at Facebook Messenger. And they've proven time and time again that they are not afraid to, to try things. You know, they, they killed Snapchat because they kept testing how do we create the Snapchat features. You know, TikTok is the hottest kid on the block right now. And uh, without a doubt, they're figuring out how do we kill off Snap or TikTok by integrating features or creating their own version. And also with all the government scrutiny that's going on with TikTok, who knows what's going to happen with that? I don't know if you've been paying attention to the news, but India just banned it. And mm -hmm. TikTok invested a billion dollars into India. And they, they project that that loss is going to be over $6 billion for India banning it. Now, the U.S. government's talking about the possibility of, of um, banning TikTok. Now, will that, will that happen? I don't know. But I don't doubt Facebook for a minute. They've got some of the smartest people on the planet. They understand commerce. They understand advertising. They understand human behavior and all of that. And outside of what you're doing, where would you invest money right now if you were to make an investment? 
It's a good question. My investments are all in myself and my own brand. Uh, if I wasn't making investments into that, I'd be making investments in startups, you know, because I get approached by a lot of, of deals and deal flow. I mean, I just put a partner of mine into an investment. He was the first investor in and his valuation tripled in a matter of two months. Wow. Um, and the, this company that I'm advising is, is, is really taking off right now. Mm. But that's the way that I would do it because that I don't, I'm not, you know, I, I have my, my father oversee my, my investment portfolio in the stock market and things like that because I just haven't had time to dive into it. Um, my brother is heavy into real estate, so maybe I'd invest with him, but I don't understand that market. And, but I do understand the startup market. I understand digital. I understand social. I can look at a deal and tell within 15 minutes if it's going to work. So that's where I would put my money unless somebody else is advising or investing money on my behalf in other areas that I don't have a core expertise in. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. You know, is there any questions you have for myself before we wrap up today or anything you want to go over? No, I, I mean, I would just love to get your perspective. What do you see as your key to success? In business I think that my key is um, perseverance you know I'm I'm one of those guys who just doesn't take no very very you know driven constantly going after it and I think you know I started at a early age in sales so you know hearing no for me doesn't really phase me you know I'm not like I, I get the whole you know thought process of thinking like way ahead of time you know like five years three years. I'm not focused on the short term. You know, like when yeah, I, I love that. I mean, people are afraid of no, but I had a friend that was a master at sales and he says, I want to get no's because mm -hmm. if I figure out a no, I can turn it into a yes. Mm -hmm. If I get a maybe or I'll think about it that you don't learn anything from it. Mm -hmm. Well, I have kind of a, yeah, I mean, for me, I, I expect, you know, no before I hear yes. So it's just a matter of staying with it, you know, understanding the, you know, why is it a no? Yeah, exactly. Like, what can we do? You know, seeing if there's a way. But the hardest part to make a sale is if they don't tell you what's wrong, when they don't call yeah, you. Yeah, you can't fix it. Yeah, you can't fix it, right? But if we have some information, and I think that's how we built the brand because, you know, I started out of my parents' games room with five grand, right? This is almost 20 years ago. And I got no outside investors, same five grand you know, today, like that's turn, right? And we've done very well, right? The brand has done very well. So, you know, yeah, I think that's, that's a big part. And you gotta, you gotta obviously love what you do, right? You gotta be passionate, right? Have that drive. And, you know, cause nowadays I think a lot of people are working, but you know, I think that they end up hopping from one place to the next because they don't really enjoy what they're doing. A hundred percent. Yeah. And people face the money and, uh, you know, when things get difficult, if you're just in it for the money, it makes it extremely hard unless you have a real passion for what that money's going to bring you. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, nowadays, um, before we wrap it up, I know that there's a lot of people out there who are on social media and they're experiencing sort of mental, whether it's, you know, they're, they're you know, feeling maybe depression or they're feeling like, oh, exhausted, you know, because it's a lot of work, right? Social media. A lot of people are seeing, you know, like other people and they're saying like, oh, I want to look like this or why can't I get this? Like, do you have any advice for those people? And is there a sweet spot where you say, or some advice where you say, you know what, I'm going to spend two hours or whatever that number is on social media or, you know, just for the people out there that I know that are watching this that are going through that right now, is there any advice you can give them? 
Well, again, I think, first off, there are certain people that come to me and say, I hate social media, but I feel like I have to be on it. And my response to that is, if you hate it, don't do it, because you won't be successful. And there's multiple ways of being success, uh, generating success. You don't have to be on social media to be successful. Is it an amazing tool? Yes. I know five people personally that have created billion-dollar companies in the past five years. It's very powerful. But if you don't want to do it and you hate doing it, then either A, don't do it, or B, find a redeeming factor about it that fuels that energy. Um, I don't put like a time, like you have to spend two hours a day on it. Again, the biggest thing is, are you learning? Are you testing? Like, because you could spend two hours a day and learn nothing and get no success. This is where I hate when there's so much noise about you have to post multiple times a day. No, you don't. Oftentimes, posting, posting multiple times a day will hurt your performance. Mm. It's like create content that you feel that either A, you're going to learn something from it, or B, you're truly passionate about it. It's mm. quality over quantity. We see it all the time, even when we go up against some of the best, you know, biggest media companies in the world. Because mm. if you focus on performance, you focus on learning, that's what's going to drive success. But you have to find some redeeming factor about it, something that's fun, something that's interesting, something that's rewarding about that process. Mm. And that's where success will come from. The other factor that I always recommend is when choosing platforms, choose the platform you use the most because you need to become a student of it. You need to enjoy the content you consume on it. Um, mm. Because like, let's just say, hey, I use Instagram every day, but I want to do YouTube because I think it's going to be better for my business, but you don't use YouTube at all how the hell are you going to create a compelling content on YouTube if you don't consume it? Mm. Like when I, when I was in Facebook growth, I spent every waking hour consuming content on Facebook. Then when I decided to reverse engineer success on Instagram, I spent eight months consuming content on that every day. Now with YouTube, as we're going in, I'm consuming content every day on YouTube. You've added so much value today. I, I really appreciate you coming on Perform. Honestly, thank you so much, Brennan. It was a pleasure. You've been great. Yeah, thanks for having me.